Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, game one of the NBA Finals. It is the first minute of the second quarter. The Nuggets leading the Heat 29-20. They are uh, doing a ceremonial face-off at the Memorial Cup in Kamloops with the Blazers set to take on the Peets in the tiebreaker game. The winner faces Seattle tomorrow in the semifinal. The winner of that faces Quebec on Sunday in the championship game. They're bringing out some uh, alum here. Who do we have? I think I saw Shane Doan, Mark Recchi, somebody else there, Kellen. I can't spot who it was. Anyway, uh, I can't tell. Yeah, I miss that. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, 7804960063. People want to get in touch. The Elks will have a scrimmage tomorrow. Their preseason is over. Of course, the rest of the CFL uh, finishing up here in uh, in the next couple of days. Elks against the Rough Riders Sunday, June 11th at Commonwealth Stadium, 3.30 for the countdown to kick off, and the game will start at 5. Uh, we are, oh, the Blue Jays won earlier today, 3-1 over Milwaukee. So, we have been talking about uh, a bunch of different fun stuff. A good chat with Luke Gazdick, by the way. Interesting behind-the-scenes stories about some of his uh, teammates dealing with perhaps sometimes an uh, uh, over... <laughs> over-adoring public when they're out and about in the city. That's the price of being a pro hockey player Mm -hmm. in Canada. And uh, Luke, like me, thinks that the Florida Panthers will win the series. Kellen, as you know, I've been riding the Panther. Riding the Panther? I I picked them over Boston in seven. I actually got the the number of games right in that one. Mm -hmm. Picked them over the Leafs in seven. Mm-hmm. They didn't need that many. Uh, picked them over the Hurricanes in seven. They didn't need, need anywhere right. near that many. I'm picking them in seven again over the Golden Knights. I was a little surprised. On Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. somehow I am in the lead of all the people picking. So I can't, I, I guess people, I think Bob could tie me for first if Vegas wins. Ah, okay. Uh, so I only went three and eight. I only went three out of eight in the first round. I went three and five. Since then, I've gone uh, five and one. So I'm peaking at the right time. Yes. But absolutely. I I was – so it was Mooner uh, – what's that guy's name? Jack Michaels? Is that the guy? Yeah, the uh, – the, That other guy? The play-by-play and then, guy. Uh, yeah. And then Bob Stop. I don't think Escott even made a pick because he missed the first round. So I, I was I was the only guy that took the Panthers. I'm the only mm-hmm. guy uh, from the, our Ched group here riding the Panther. I just think – I know they've had a long break. Uh, a break. I know Vegas is excellent. Um, well, guess what? Florida's excellent too. And they're playing great at the right time. They got Bobrovsky, who I do think will outlast Aiden Hill. And, hey, Aiden Hill has exceeded what I thought he'd be able to do. But I, I do think he's going to outlast uh, Aiden Hill. I realize Vegas is deep. I realize Vegas can play uh, physical and mean and, and maybe even a little dirty. Like, I I heard Vegas has a guy. He'll slash one of your best players and even take a suspension if it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So Vegas has those <laughs> types of guys. But I think Florida has those types of guys. I know Bob referenced earlier today, and I didn't get a chance to offer a rebuttal. Uh, Bob referenced earlier today, you know, Matthew Kachuk kind of got maybe a little intimidated by Evander Kane in last year's series and uh, when they played the Oilers. And I'm like, well, I don't know. That's that's last year. Uh, I, I, that Calgary team, I, I think, I don't know. Maybe they just weren't as interested in the series as, as it went along as Edmonton was. I, I, I think that's ancient history. I think Matthew Kachuk's going to be fine. I think he's probably going to be the best skater in the series. I think Bobrovsky uh, is going to be the best goalie in the series. 
and uh, nothing against what Vegas brings because they're pretty deep on defense. I mean, Montour has looked outstanding. You know, Gudis does his thing out there. So uh, I like what the Panthers are doing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep riding the Panther and pick them in the Stanley Cup final. Is this actually our next guest? This guy's awesome. Is. This guy's awesome. From the uh, Penguins Radio Network, it's our buddy Phil Bork checking in. Phil, how's life? Well, Reed, life is grand. Life is grand. Life is good. Um, didn't expect to have such a long off season. This is not something that uh, uh, that that we've uh, become accustomed to, like some other teams in the league, where we uh, did not make the postseason for the first time in 17 years. So it's a. Uh, it's humbling, but uh, the silver lining is I get to spend some extra time with my family. Yes, and, and I know uh, you love your family, and you, you've told us some stories about them as uh, as life has has uh, gone on as well. So th- th- thanks for making time for week. Dave and I were like, you know, d- Phil's in his off season. Should we ask him to come on the show? And we were like, well, let's just ask him because we love having him on. So thanks for doing this. Uh, I just checked back. I, I believe, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, the Penguins only won six of their last 16 games because they kind of controlled their own destiny with the with the playoffs. And, the, and they didn't do a very good job controlling it, did they? No, they didn't. And you look at some of the, those losses, and uh, no disrespect to those teams, but they were clearly out of the playoffs. They had nothing to play for at all uh, except pride. Uh, and future jobs, and they uh, they bent the Penguins over, if you know what I mean. Took them back uh, to the old woodshed, however you want to word it. Um, yeah, because there were some of those games that the Penguins. Um, it wasn't like they, you know, they they lost a close game. They were losing five to two, six to three, uh, just ridiculous scores. Um, you know, the one thing I'll tell you though, being in this organization, ten years a player, and now this will be my 20th year coming up as a broadcaster um, pretty much my half of my life. Um, There has been a bit of a pattern here in Pittsburgh that whenever something, whatever you want to call it, bad, humbling, um, you know, it, 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 it sticks with you for a while. Within the next year or two years, something really good has happened. I'm not saying the Penguins are going to win the cup next year, but you know, changes need to happen. Um, when you've gone through what the Penguins have gone through, and especially this year, I mean, that number that you just gave there, that that's that's ridiculous. That's, that is such a kick in the groin with a steel-toed boot that with this kind of lineup that was basically pretty healthy, not some guys were dinged up, but healthy enough to at least get into the playoffs, get, at least get into the dance and make something happen. But you know what they're saying here in Pittsburgh? They're saying maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Maybe this is what they needed because things have been kind of a bit of a, a downward spiral, if you will. We've won one playoff series since winning those back-to-back Stanley Cups. Um, and maybe maybe you needed to meet miss the playoffs to have those those hard questions answered and big changes made. Uh, okay, and so one of the cha- – well, I mean, they made some changes earlier in the season because uh, they got rid of Hextall and Burke. Uh, Dubas is in. Um, it was interesting uh, when Hextall was hired because our, our buddy Rob Brown was like, I can't believe the guy that wanted to beat us all up when he played for the Flyers is now the yeah. – <laughs> So I know. Like, how, much, how much of this was on, the, on, on Hextall or management the last couple of years? Well, a lot of it. Um I mean, they're not the guys out there shooting the puck and passing the puck and, you know, defensive zone coverage and all that stuff. But 
Yeah, listen, I'm not. I'm not gonna. The body's not even cold yet. You know what I mean? I'm not. Yeah, fair enough. Guy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, you know I mean, um, at times they seemed overwhelmed by the challenge that was here, but that's what it is here in Pittsburgh. It's a challenge. I mean, you're up against the cap. I get that, but you can't use that as an excuse. I mean, we didn't have a cap in 1992, 91-92 season when Craig Patrick traded two future Hall of Famers and Mark Recchi and Paul Coffey on the same flipping day to get Rick Tocca because that's what we needed. I mean, there was no salary cap, but he didn't ha- he had kind of an internal salary cap because you couldn't we didn't we weren't like Detroit and New York. We couldn't just free free spend. Um and I found that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke as soon as they came in here they said, "Oh, well, we're effed." You know, I mean, Jimmy Rutherford has effed us. I mean, we, we're up against the cap. There's nothing we can do. And they kind of threw their hands up in the air. That's that's what I felt. If I'm wrong, somebody tell me I'm wrong, and, and I will accept that. Uh, but I just felt like changes needed to be made. Uh, and by the time those changes came, when at the very end of the deadline, they seemed to be panic moves and moves that ended up getting them both fired, um, if you really want to get down to it. Um, so it, it was mismanaged. Uh, they seem to be in over their head. Uh, but it, a lot of guys would be in over their head here because it's a challenging job. Whether you're talking about the three stars that you have to kind of manage, um, and I'm not saying they're hard to manage, but they're just different people and different players. And, and you have to respect the way that they are. But also, uh, you have to address head-on what's lacking here. And there's a lot lacking here, and it just wasn't addressed quick enough. All right, so what's job one then for Kyle Dubas? What, what, which of the lacking areas do you think he's got to address first? Goaltending. Yeah. I mean, you have to make a big decision with Tristan Jari because, you know, Tristan Jari holds the cards. He's not an RFA. He's a UFA. Yeah, I mean, so so people are like, well, you know, Borkin Jew should just offer him two years at four million. Well, why the why the hell would he accept that? You know what I mean? Because he's a 28 year old goaltender, and when he's healthy, he's one of the best goaltenders in the league. He's not just a good, you know, uh, potential type goaltender. He's proven he is one of the best goaltenders in the league, and I'm a huge fan. But. He's not healthy very often, Reed, and that's a major problem. You can't trust him, and that's become a problem. It is what it is. I, if Tristan Jarry was standing right next to me right now, I'd be saying the same thing because he knows it's true. He's a guy that you can't trust to stay healthy. Uh, is it his fault? I don't know. I don't know his training methods. I don't, you know, I don't know his sleep methods. I'm not laying in this 1,000 TC thre- uh, thread count sheets. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on with him at home, but there's something going on. This guy just can't stay healthy, and there's no reason why a 28-year-old goaltender should be banged up as much as he is at key moments when you really need him. That's the, that's the nature of that. So that's that's the biggest decision for Kyle Dubas. What the holy Moses is going on with this guy? Is he healthy enough? Should we invest six times four, six times six? What is the number? You know what I mean? Because what is plan B? If you don't take Tristan Jari, I'm sure there's at least one team, if not a few teams, that are going to go six by six on him and roll the dice. And if you don't take him, then who? Who's a guy that you think can do the job? Because you still have Casey the Smith, who's a good backup goaltender. Again, another guy that needs to stay healthy. Um, you still have him under contract at a reasonable number, 1.8 off the top of my head, Reed. Uh, but 
You, if you don't have uh, Tristan Jari, who's your number one? That's the biggest question mark for, for Kyle Dubas. Okay. Yeah. Th- thanks for pointing that out. That's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Phil Bork joining us today on Inside Sports. Phil, you're always good for a tale or two. Uh, I just had Luke Gazdick on the show, former Oiler. He's now gone into broadcasting here in Canada. He, he was a regular guest on my show throughout the season. And he talked about, uh, you know, the scrutiny of playing in Canada and and – uh, you know, he told some stories about when uh, he was buddies with Taylor Hall here in Edmonton. That sometimes uh, it was it was tough to be out in public and 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 have a quiet night. Uh, you obviously played with s- some great players. I mean, you mentioned Coffee. Obviously, the the big guy wearing '66 was there. Uh, what, like, did it ever uh, did it ever get out of hand? Were there ever any unpleasant fan interactions where you were like, or anybody was like, dude, you just gotta leave us alone sometimes? You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I was lucky enough here in Pittsburgh that when, you know, the beginning of my career, when I came here in 82, until 66 showed up in 84, you know, basically from 82 to, say, 87, we had a free pass because we stunk, and everybody knew we stunk, you know, and it's kind of laughable because, you know, in 84, really 83, 84, um, there were people in the stands with, with paper bags on their heads, and they would cut out the the holes in the bag so they could watch the game. But the reason they wore the bag over their head uh, is because when the 11 o'clock news and the sports came up and they showed uh, the highlights of the game and they might have shown uh, people in the stands, nobody wanted to be seen in the stands. They didn't want their buddies to see them at the Penguins game because they sucked so bad. Um, so I, I was here for that, and, and you really got a mulligan then. And then it was all good, right? From Really from 88 on, uh, there was just so much good, and then I left in 92 to go to the New York Rangers. But I will say this. When I left the Rangers and got traded to the Ottawa Senators, uh, that was in 94, right before they won the Cup. The Rangers won the Cup. I got traded to Ottawa. Uh, and that was the first time you know I played in Canada. Uh, but they were also, they were terrible, terrible team. The organization was, was just out of sorts. They were playing in the junior rink. You know, which was next to a football stadium, was just it was, it was crazy. Uh, but I, I did realize then that it was whoa, whoa, this is different. Uh, as far as the scrutiny, uh, the media, uh, the amount of outlets that the media had to voice their opinions on sports talk radio and the such, and the internet was just starting to get going. Um, I, I did feel the heat and the pressure of, oh, I was a guy that won Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. I come to Ottawa, I should help fix things, and I didn't do that. I definitely felt the pressure more there than any other place I had played in my career. Yeah, interesting. That was like a really new Ottawa team where the expectation shouldn't have been that high. I mean, that's that's interesting. And I, yeah, I remember that the old the old hockey rink. It was didn't it back onto the football stadium? Like they shared the bleachers yeah, the stands, backed on. Yeah, yeah. Have, the, the stands <laughs> the stands of the football stadium bled right into the arena of the hockey stadium. So, you know, the one side didn't go all the way up because it got blocked by the stands from the football stadium, which was connected to. But that's when Alexander Dagg was there. And like I say, Yashin was there. And it was a, you know, what kind of show? It was, <laughs> it was, it was man, it was just you roll your eyes. And, and for me, coming from Pittsburgh and then the Rangers, they treat you absolutely like gold. Not that I wasn't treated good. I loved Ray Shiro and, and Randy Sexton that were there. but And even Rick Bonus was a hell of a coach there um it, it was a bit of a gong show in the locker room okay okay fair enough phil uh you're the best always appreciate it I, I obviously you know you're a couple hours ahead of us so thanks for jumping on a little bit later in your time zone as well hey ha- enjoy the summer enjoy the family time and of course we'll be talking next season my man
All right, call me soon. Call me uh, with free agency, man. We'll have a lot to talk about. I enjoyed it like always. This was good hockey talk. That is Phil Bork. Check it in from the Penguins Radio Network. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Good chat with Phil Bork. No surprise there. 780-496-0063. Kellen, go. Tex, here we go. Uh, Brian texts in, and just off of the conversation that you had with Phil Bork, uh, says, Reed, in my professional opinion, the Malkin and Latang contracts were amongst some of the worst in the league last season. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, lots of love tonight uh, uh, for uh, favorite sports-oriented television show for Friday Night uh, Lights. We're getting a ton of texts in uh, from unknown texters and uh, uh, those that we are known to the show. By the way, if you want to text in, give us a handle, and I'll type it into my little machine here and that stuff, and we'll uh, call you. That's your inside sports handle for tonight. But uh, anyway, Bruce texts in and says, The Friday Night Lights TV show shares the title and Texas locale with the book and movie, but that's that's about it. It's 100% fictional, but the direction, writing, casting, and acting are absolutely top-notch. The series is available on Crave. I would consider it a must-watch. That is from Bruce. I remember somebody told me once that they, uh, they, they, they thought, I think it was Friday Night Lights, they did a really good relationship with the, the coach and his wife, that they thought that was a very realistic portrayal of a marriage. I thought I remember somebody telling me that ah, once. Okay. But yeah, it's but yes, that show. Kel and I were talking about the book, but yeah, the TV show shares the the name with the uh, the book, but not anything else really. Right. Okay, cool. Exactly. Yep. Uh, you got like 20 seconds for some other stuff? I got uh, a couple of quick suggestions here. We've got Dan from East of Camro saying, Detention Brewing in Rosalind, Alberta, built in a closed school is very good. Oh, wow. That's irony. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Jacqueline texts in and says, Alley Cat, especially their Mangalorean. I don't know if I've – I haven't had that one. Uh, the Apricot from Alley Cat is very good, especially in the summer. Well, I'm not surprised a lot of Edmontonians saying uh, Alley Cat as it's uh, been around a while. Okay, yeah, Alley Cat teaming up with the Edmonton Riverhawks. So Remax Field uh, going to offer exclusively craft beer. It's believed to be the first time an Edmonton sports venue has done that. And we'll have uh, a pitcher from the Riverhawks to tell his story next. Next.